I'm Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Mindset Podcast, where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 122. And today it is Terry's turn to share something that she has been listening to. Terry, what have you got for us today? Well, Daisy, I went back to a standby for me, which is Being Well with Dr. Rick and Forrest Hansen, mm-hmm. the father-son duo that talks psychological talks. Mm. So I always mm. enjoy those episodes. Funnily enough, it was the son that was one of the slow-mo. Was it one of the slow-mo or was it, it might have been, no, it was one of the Marie Forleo episodes that I listened to. I thought, oh, I use this one because I know Terry likes the Hansons, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't a useful (laughs) one. (laughs) So my ears always prick up when, when I hear the Hansons are involved because I know they're one of your faves. Yeah, and this one is interesting because I think sometimes I get bogged down with when I listen to a podcast or something that I want to share with you, it's like a lot of technical things and you have to find the five reasons and then the three steps and things. But this one really just kind of, um, for me, was a little more broad in general. There were some specific things, but um, I think it's just a, a nice jumping off point for you and I. So the episode is 212, Connecting with Your Best Parts. They were doing a previous episode about self-awareness and Rick, the father, emphasized that people in looking at self-awareness would be best served if they spent more time becoming more aware of their good positive traits and the good inside of them rather than what I think so many of us do is we know all of our flaws, we know all of the things we don't do well, and we focus on those. So they spend an episode talking about it. And I thought you and I could spend an episode talking about it because I think there are some specific things that that are helpful for people. So they talked about the idea that we would all benefit if instead of focusing on, as I said, all of the things about us that are our weaknesses, things that we need to strengthen, flaws, things that we wish we had or did or whatever, that we would feel better and be more productive and and do better in life with each other even if we could spend more time focusing on the good that's in us. Mm. So one of the things they talked about is why do we struggle with this? Why don't we all just do this more naturally? And I think probably everyone can immediately relate to or think about someone that they know in their life or in their history who's self-concept was so positive that they seemed arrogant or conceited. And, and we don't generally want to come across that way to people. So one, we've learned to dismiss positive things about ourselves and not acknowledge them, not even be aware of them. And that reminded me of a woman in my graduate program. She was so confident That if a professor said, oh, there's a conference coming up, boom, she already had a topic she was going to present on. It didn't matter that it wasn't even a topic that she was necessarily knowledgeable in. She was going to do it. (laughs) Whereas I would say, oh, this topic is exactly in my area of expertise, but I don't know that I'm qualified. So I remember watching her and at some level wishing I had more of her positive sense of self. Mm. 
and yet also being kind of annoyed by her positive sense of self. Yeah, there's always that that little part of you that hides away in the dark corner that wants to pull those people down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. They talked a little bit about one of the reasons why we have a hard time, why many of us struggle with acknowledging positive and good thing about ourselves is that we have internalized stories of us from our early days. And they were maybe someone labeled us in a certain way or described us in a certain way. And so then we started seeing ourselves in that way. Because when you think about it, and you and I have talked about this many times, but kids are sponges. They're like clay. They're very malleable. And so if you tell them you're really smart, they have a better chance of picking up on details that say that they're really smart. But if you say, you know, you're really obnoxious and you really should just be more quiet, you're going to create that story and that interpretation of themselves. So that's one of the reasons many of us struggle to acknowledge positive things about ourselves. And Forrest, at the end, does a nice little summary of this episode, and he referred to that also as anchoring bias. So once we have this thought of ourselves that we kind of anchor to that and interpret other data through that perception. So let's say, for example, you did horribly in a math class. Your interpretation of it might be, I'm really bad at math versus that teacher's teaching style I couldn't relate to. And so I struggled and I didn't do well. But walking away from it, you probably interpret it as I'm just not good at math. And then you carry that Mm. bias with you Mm. throughout your life. I also talked about the idea that some traits that are great and serve us well as adults aren't always highly valued in kids, or they, they come across or they manifest in kids in ways that are difficult. So let's say someone is super creative as an adult, and that means they're entrepreneurs and they have this great ability to see outside of the box. But when your kid is in school and you want them to see everything the way they're supposed to see it, that quality or trait in them starts to get squashed. We start telling them, interesting. you're bad when you think mm-hmm. like that. Don't mm-hmm. do that. And so some of our best traits as adults are discouraged in us as kids because either through our parents, families, teachers, other kids. So the other thing they talked a little bit about is the idea that kind of a tradition of belief that human nature is bad, that we need to drive these bad forces out of us and that we need to be on this continual journey of fixing. And this reminded me of a guy I used to listen to years ago named Derek Rydell and his book, was called Emergence. And he talked about the idea that in the self-help world, we're basically taught that there's something wrong with us. And if we could just fix it, then we'd be okay. We'd be lovable enough. We'd be friendly enough, positive enough, popular enough, successful enough, whatever it is. And he used to use the analogy of an acorn. No, an acorn falls out of a tree. It does not have to decide whether it's going to become a pine tree or try to make itself a maple tree. It is going to be an oak tree. All that it has, all that it will be is already in there. It just needs to emerge. So I I like this idea of looking more at our... Well, and it has to be given the right growing conditions. Absolutely. The environment being key. Just like going back to if you're 
in a culture, a petri dish of a certain way of doing things, Mm. your unique way of doing things may not get reinforced or accepted. And so that trait, that willingness to take risks might be kind of, again, squashed out of you. So they just talked in general about kind of how to do this. And I often do this um, or have done this with my clients when I was working as a psychologist, because I think so many of us, we have learned to identify what do we not like about ourselves? What, what have we gotten negative feedback about? What do we think is not enough about us? But many of us are very squeamish about identifying our positives. I recall having clients do this. I would say, you know, when we meet next time, I'd like you to bring a list of your positive, the positive things that you bring to a table in relationships or whatever it is. And I could see them start to squirm even just with the suggestion. And sometimes they would come back with two things on their list. And so we would talk about why it was that they didn't have more things on their list. And one of the examples I always would share with them is sometimes we minimize our own positives because it's not true of us 100% of the time. Mm. So someone might say, oh, I'm funny. Oh yeah, I'm going to put that on my list. I have a good sense of humor. And then they would reflect on it a little bit and they would say, you know what? Sometimes I make jokes and people don't laugh. And sometimes people find my humor kind of in a, never mind, I'm not funny. And they just throw away that whole trait as as something that they could Mm. claim. In this episode, Rick and Forrest encouraged digging in a little bit and reflecting on our skills, our talents, our efforts, our intentions, and our attributes. So it doesn't have to be just the things that we know people get rewarded for or get positive feedback for if they or the best math score or something, but maybe it's about how they treat people or how they're able to interpret things. And I think it's really important to have a kind of idea that when you reflect on this, there are lots of things that make up who we are. Like I said, efforts, intentions, our traits that we can kind of dig into and and identify the positives. They also talked about the idea that um, recognizing the good in yourself can really serve as a strong basis for being able to recognize positive things in others. And many of us are good at recognizing positive things in others, but we don't acknowledge them. We don't say them. We don't share them. And so we're not used to hearing them in ourselves. We're not used to acknowledging them. And if we are really not doing this and acknowledging them within ourselves, we probably may not be acknowledging them in others. I guess to a degree, you could probably say that the reverse could be true. That if, you know, like a lot of us do, if you do struggle finding those attributes in yourself, maybe a good way to practice is to start recognizing them looking for them in other people, mm-hmm. telling them, you know, acknowledging those things and sort of practicing a bit, getting it that little bit, just sort of flexing that muscle on safer ground. And then it might be that you find it a bit easier turning it back on yourself. Or it might be that because you've acknowledged that 
in somebody else that they turn around and say, hey, yeah, you know, because that sort of inspires them to say, yeah, you know, I noticed something that you did mm-hmm. the other day and maybe it will help just start that mm-hmm. that cycle, that process if it's if it's something that you're struggling with. Absolutely. And Forrest talked about that as it increases intimacy. They went into a longer conversation about that, but the idea that that kind of intimacy requires courage, courage to share with someone the positive you see in them, for them to receive it, for them to reflect to you, for you to receive that. And both sides of that are important skills for us to be practicing, acknowledging our positives, owning them, not minimizing them, and being able to do that with others. So I love that you pointed that out, that practicing one part of that skill can help us develop the other part of the skill. So one of the reasons I enjoyed this podcast episode, besides the fact that it was just kind of nice psychobabble-y kind of stuff, is that I really thought about sharing it with you, and I thought, you are someone in my life who does such a good job of acknowledging positives in me that I struggle to see. And I guess really just wanted to share like how powerful it is that you do that for me. And you, you serve as kind of an anchoring point for me that when I can get kind of wrapped up in the negative, the self-critical, or just, you know, not seeing those things that you always do it. And you, you don't always do it in this obvious way. You don't always just shove them at me, but you just slide (laughs) them in places so perfectly. (laughs) So I just, I wanted to also share this topic with you because I wanted to acknowledge how important that is to me in our friendship that you do that. And they refer to this as a, a developmental psychology term as prizing. When you acknowledge, you honor something positive in someone and you give them that feedback, it's, it's prizing them or prizing this thing about them and that it has great effect on their own ability. You know, I know I said this about kids, but I think it's true about us as adults too. For many of us, the more we hear others prizing of us, the more we have to start to acknowledge maybe it's true. Maybe these are positive things about me. Maybe, maybe I'm not just this list of challenges and things that I should work on, but wow, I have strengths and I have talents and gifts that I bring as well. So that was another big motivation for me just to share this topic with you today. I'm so pleased to <laughs> pleased and grateful to hear that, especially because I value very much for Similarly, the way you see in and pull things out of me that I'm often just blind to and get me to look at, yeah, some of those things that are actually positives that I kind of know that are there. But yeah, you get the blinkers on, Mm -hmm. don't you? And look at all the negatives, all the reasons why you're struggling to do something or I'm not good enough yet to do this or that Mm -hmm. or you know like you said um, right at the beginning back when you were at college you know and it was yeah this this would be perfect for me this is my subject I don't feel like I'm qualified enough yet to do it 
Um, but the chances are pretty good that you would have done a much better job than the person who was always putting herself forward, you know, was, uh, was that overconfident, would always put herself forward, even if it wasn't her subject. Um, so it's, yeah, I think we both value similar things in each other. I think we're very, we're very lucky to have found each other. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think to highlight that then for, for listeners, one of the challenges, and I know I still struggle with this, Daisy, is that sometimes even when you prize things in me and you, you give me this feedback, it would be easy for me just to dismiss it, to, I don't know, say something like, yeah, well, everyone should do that. That's not unique or good about me or that's no special thing to minimize it in some way. And so I really want to encourage just from listening to this episode for um, people to start giving themselves some time to highlight, dig in a little bit. It's kind of not only intimacy between people, but intimacy with yourself, digging in and identifying. And in this example or in this episode, they went back, I think it was Rick talked about something about him as a nine-year-old and just remembering, wow, that was a really cool trait about me. And bringing that up as positive now, even though maybe it's a trait that he hadn't been exhibiting much now at this stage in his life, just want to encourage people to take some time to do that, make it a regular practice. So as I mentioned earlier, I used to have clients do this. I want you to come up with a list and I want you to add to the list. What if we all kept a list? of all of the positive things that we bring to this world and reflect on that because I know so many of us, and I know in my work currently, people often quickly introduce themselves and start telling you all the things that they're not good at doing, mm. the things they need to fix about themselves and things that they can't do. I just wish with this episode that people Try and turn that around. Start talking about the good that's in you, the traits that you appreciate about yourself, the things about yourself that you enjoy and like seeing and want others to see. Because I also think the more we can honor them about ourselves, the more we can show them to other people. Because as they're valued, we take that risk to engage those parts of ourselves even more. So I hope even though this was not an episode that had a lot of go do this and do this and do this, that it will inspire people to start shifting this way of seeing themselves. Yes, and there are things you can do. And coming back to that point that I mentioned earlier about practicing on other people, and it just brings to mind an example. I was walking back one day from the sea and it was so it was in the morning it was a weekend so it was a bit later than usual but it was you know mid-morning or something and I was following two very shall we say racily dressed young young ladies who were Yes, they had quite skimpy clothes on were getting looks from everywhere they were really doled up 
and they looked fantastic, but kind of a little bit out of context, bearing in mind this was, you know, it was a lovely sunny day, but it was, you know, half past 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And it they just looked a little bit out of place. So people, they were getting lots of looks. And, um, but I, you know, I was walking behind them and just thinking how fabulous they looked. And I could see that they were kind of, they kind of had that confidence of youth and their beauty, but they were sort of with each step and each look, you could kind of see they were getting knocked a little bit. So I went up to them and I said, oh, I'm being terribly nosy here. I said, but you you both look fantastic. Where are you off to? And they were they were just about to get on a train to London and they were going to some, you know, some amazing festival or something where, of course, if, if you took them from where they were now and soon as they got there, contextually, they would fit in absolutely perfectly. But where they were in that attire was just, you know, they were they were getting all sorts of different looks from people. And just sort of having that conversation was a little moment of connection. But I could also see it just kind of serve to remove a few of those knocks that seem to be happening. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a sort of boosted them a little bit, reminded them about where they were going and to just sort of take away some of those, you know, slightly judgy looks they were getting or whatever. Um, so I think we should we should never be afraid to, if somebody's caught our eye because they look fantastic, especially maybe if they do look a bit out of place, is to go up and say they look fantastic. Why not? I can remember when someone stopped me in the street one day and said how wonderful they thought my outfit was. And it, you know, it made my day. So never be afraid Mm. (laughs) to speak your mind when you're thinking something particularly um, positive and admiring about somebody else. Why not go up and tell them? So interesting that you use that example. And I think that is a great thing to be able to give them that feedback. In this episode, Rick and Forrest also talked about a little bit around a concept of kind of seeing the cultural water that we are swimming in and that this helps us see or not see positives about ourselves and about others. So this example, and they they used a story, um, Rick used a story about Two fish were swimming and one said to the other, how's the water? And the answer was, what water? Because they aren't even aware that they're in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so if you had only stuck with seeing these two women based on the cultural water in which you are swimming, there wasn't anything positive to see because they they didn't fit and and you were willing to see beyond that and find the positive and share that with them. Mm. I think the other thing that I was thinking as you were talking and something really valuable that I've learned from you is, and when people, I guess when people are sharing that more negative attitude about themselves, 
is not to, and we have spoken about this, I think, in previous episodes, is not to just dismiss what they're saying by countering it with positives. Because that's often your first reaction, especially if it's a friend who's talking in that way. You just want to, oh, no, don't be silly. That's not you. You're this, that, and the other. The danger with doing that is that the person who's speaking doesn't feel heard. The trick and the skill is sort of gently acknowledging that and steering around it to tease out that positive, but feel like get to a place where you're teasing the positive out from them. Mm -hmm. It's them who you get them to pull it out mm-hmm. of themselves rather than you just throw it at them because it's it's harder to take when you just say, no, don't be silly. Mm-hmm. You're not like this. What about this amazingly positive thing about yourself? It's really hard to take because, no, I came to you in a negative frame of mind and I can't hear the positive bit, even though maybe what you're saying is true. So it's something I've... A really valuable thing I think that I've learned from you and it's still something that I quite often struggle with because I want to get in and fix it and no you're not like mm-hmm. that it's, it's like this but but actually you need to start from where they are mm-hmm. I think my therapist helps me with that as well and she says you know yeah this trait that you're talking about it may not be your favorite trait about yourself but it it's not a unlovable part it's not a yeah, it's something you're you're continuing to work on. Whereas I, and I think a lot of us tend to get so focused on those that it's like, well, this is what's wrong with me and I don't do this right and this is a negative about me versus, yeah, that is not a strength of yours. Okay, big deal. Mm. <laughs> let's look at the things that are and let's figure out ways to work with this part that's not. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've really highlighted the flip side of this, of not only seeing the positives in yourself and acknowledging it and being in touch with that within yourself, but also doing that with others and allowing them to hear your feedback and you to prize them and to accept their prizing of you. So thank you, Daisy, for the prizing of me that you do. It's very (laughs) helpful. And I think it's so important what you said about children and you know I can remember my sister I think it was creative writing but because she didn't do it in the way that they were supposed to quote unquote do it at school she got put down by the teacher and she's very very sensitive and that was right you know don't want to do that anymore Mm -hmm. and you know, or it might have been her art, I think. I can't remember, but it, I think what you said is, is so important about things that are valued so highly often as adults and not so much as seen as being precocious mm-hmm. or outside the norm that is how they're supposed to be at school or in a peer group or whatever it is. And those things that would be so valued 20 mm-hmm. years down the line get you know squashed and squeezed and yeah pushed out when they should be encouraged they get seen as negatives so my creativity gets seen as a negative to me or my imaginativeness I just see it as I'm not paying enough attention in school and yeah 
And then we spend all this time and effort trying to get it back again. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, what an interesting conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Very good. <laughs> As always, you uh, you come up with. I like it when you have episodes that you take that is just sort of a germ of an idea or something that you say that is difficult. It's a bit slippery. You can't really get a good grasp on it or whatever it is, but it's just more of a a conversation starter and you pull from some of your experience as a therapist and your past in training and things like that. And it always makes, for me, a very interesting episode. So... Thank you for sharing of yourself. Well, thank you. And thank everyone for listening. And we will look forward to being back. Take good care, everybody. Have a very wonderful week.